Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in Lake Kick on the Air. It is Thursday night, April 29th, the year of our Lord, 2021. Got the NFL draft. A little time from now, I told you we were going to start a little early tonight, and here we are, a little bit earlier than usual. We got a jam-packed show. Got a lot of college football to talk about. Expanding the college football playoff. It's out there again. Did it ever go away? I want to address this tonight. I'm not giving you my take on expansion. I, well, I kind of will. You know what I think about expansion, but I just want to maybe talk to some of you who are on the fence about that. Because you got a problem, but you don't know what the problem is. A lot of folks think they've identified the problem, and it's the playoff, or it's the structure, or it's the system. you got a problem. you got a big problem. It's been here for a while. It's just not what you think it is. So we'll talk about that tonight. Quarterback updates from all across the country. A couple of places in Texas, A&M and University of. we got to talk about LSU. we got to talk about Ohio State. Um, We've got a lot of places to go. There's a lot of really good quarterback battles out there right now. Ohio State had a really good question about the Buckeyes on the Late Kick Extra podcast on Tuesday, I think it was. And it was about what the Ohio State success rate is doing to the Big Ten. And is it maybe going to do what Clemson did to the ACC? I, I appreciate the question, so I'm certainly not disparaging the listener for asking. I get so tired of people just assuming that this is going to happen, though. So we'll address that tonight. And also, I'm big on North Carolina. I know some of you noticed. Actually, I'm going to address the fact that you noticed because a lot of you have been asking me, hey, what are you so bullish on North Carolina for? Come on, now it's Clemson's yard over there. Well, it is until further notice. But we shall discuss how maybe that's going to change or maybe there's room for more than one at the head table in the ACC. So thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you like the videos if you're listening. Make sure you give us five-star reviews if you're listening on podcast. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram, especially, at Late Kick Josh. That's it. That's all. Let's dive in. The new college football playoff expansion talks are out there. And by new, I mean it's the same old stuff. It's just repackaged now because Bill Hancock happened to go on record the other day and suggested, you know, just a mere mention, a whisper of the fact that they're considering this format or that format. Now, as some in the sports media industry have correctly pointed out, Bill Hancock would deny that the sun's coming up five minutes before it peaks over the horizon. So if he's actually talking about it, it, it is, it's reasonable to assume it's a foregone conclusion that playoff expansion of some kind is coming. I don't like it. You know my stance on this. But the usuals out there were gleeful and have been gleeful at this news. And I just want to remind you, 
you are not solving any problem you think exists. And if it exists, that's not the way to solve it. And what you're doing in the process is you're ruining one of the really good things, or at the very least, you're eroding away and chipping away at one of the really good things that exist in college football. That's the regular season. I know what the arguments are. I know what the pushbacks are. You're not telling me anything I haven't already heard, haven't already processed, and haven't already dismissed. You think you can have both of them. You can think you can still make the regular season great. You think you can still make it unique unto the American sporting landscape and and have your expanded playoff. You can't. You can't. I'm going to tell you why. It may go over your head or you may not care, but I'm going to tell you why. But I just want you to think about this, okay? So let's say you move into a new neighborhood and let's say you bought it sight unseen. Not smart, but let's say you bought a house sight unseen and you move in the neighborhood and there's an industrial plant that is right behind the picket fence where your house is, the neighborhood property lines there, and there's this huge industrial complex, and it's loud 24-7. Hello. And you don't like it. You don't like that sound. And so you repave your driveway. Did it fix it? Driveway looks a whole lot better. Well, no, because there's still the sound. Well, then the homeowners association gets together and you guys decide that you're going to add new sidewalks in the neighborhood and you're going to pay to have everyone's yard resodded. Director Emeritus Collin, I would go for that. Wouldn't you go for that? Great. Is the problem fixed? No, it's not. Because the problem is still the industrial complex and it's still really loud back there. So then guess what we're going to do? We're going to have a big end of the summer blowout neighborhood picnic. And you can bring two friends that don't live in the neighborhood. Now, surely this is going to solve the problem, right? We're getting everyone involved. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's going to have a seat at the picnic table, so to speak, literally. But it's not solving the problem. You go home that night and and you're picking the barbecue out of your teeth and you're full and you're sitting there watching your TV show and you realize there's that sound again. Because the problem was never lack of picnics or sidewalks, or sod, or driveway. It was always the industrial complex and how loud that thing is. You don't have a system problem in college football that really needs fixing via an expanded playoff. Expanding the playoff is not going to fix the college football problem. You don't have a problem in terms of system in college football. You got a person problem. The person is Nick Saban. Nick Saban's the problem that college football has, and no amount of expanded playoff is going to change that. You're going to reshuffle the deck, and you're going to draw the same card every time. Now, the logical response to understanding this would be, I guess we just got to wait for him to retire. I mean, we're living right smack dab in the middle of the greatest dynasty in the history of college football, the greatest run in the history of college football, led by the greatest man to lead a college football program. We're not looking back. Normally, you're used to reading that in a history book, but we're seeing it right now. So logic, maybe in generations gone by, would be, let's just have some patience, let's just wait it out, and maybe occasionally, LSU 2019, let's say, someone jumps up and beats him. But by and large, we just got to wait it out. That would be logical. That's not 2021. In 2021, we have to burn the entire thing to the ground because we have the collective patience of a cassava melon. And so instead of being logical about it, we're going to upend the entire system. Mind you, you're still going to get the same results as long as Nick Saban's around but you're going to erode away the most valuable commodity that this sport has in the process, and that is the regular season. I have heard your arguments on this. Our our audience is split on this. Some of you agree with me, and you're in the hashtag for and no more camp. A lot of you think we need to expand. A lot of you even believe in auto bids for conference champs, because what that that really, really solidifies is the idea that we're going to have 
equity across college football. Everyone's going to be included. We're going to have teams from the West Coast. We're going to have teams from the East Coast. We're going to have teams from the South, the Midwest, the North. And it's going to be great, and it's going to be evenly represented. That, to you, is more a utopian playoff model. I've never agreed with that. I couldn't care less if we get four teams from the Pacific Northwest in the playoff, if they're the best teams. I'm a big believer in a more meritocracy-based approach to the playoff. But either way, wherever you fall on this, I just want to remind you, I get it. This is not hard. Your reasons for wanting an expanded playoff, they're not hard to understand, guys. So sometimes what I'll get is I'll get someone asking me, this is normally how it works, Someone will ask me, what's your opinion on the playoff? And I'll say, I don't think it should expand. And that's about five seconds of the conversation. And then the next five minutes is them, mind you, the person who asked me what I think, didn't go the other way, that person explaining to me why they think it should expand. And they talk to you as if you don't get it. You don't really, it's okay, simpleton, let's, let's pat you on the cheek, You're the four and no mores, let's pat you on the cheek, okay, you may not have quite the degree on your wall that we have, so let's explain to you why expanding this playoff is, is so great. And you'll understand, don't worry, come on, maybe kicking and screaming, but come on, you'll love it. No, I get all of it. I understand the point, I just don't agree with them. There's a big difference there. And so I actually think the opposite may be true. I actually think there may be some things that you don't understand that you're going to have to learn the hard way about your model. You're better shot for teams. You're more spots for teams. You're more inclusive environment where the entire country is represented via the auto bid process every year. It's a giant safety net under the very teams that you're trying to counter with your new model. You look at Clemson right now. Some of you think it's a bad thing that they dominate every year. You look at Bama. You look at Ohio State. You think that's a bad thing. I'm telling you the only thing that's keeping them from truly dominating literally every year with no rest is the four-team playoff. Because right now, they still understand. They can't be losing in the regular season more than once. They can't be losing and still be making that playoff. You are now taking a giant safety net via your expanded playoff and you're building it under all those teams. You know how hard it's going to be to beat Alabama three times in a season, or Ohio State or Clemson? And then once you get them in there, they're always going to be more talented. They're always going to be the most talented teams, at least for the foreseeable future. Then you're going to give them two or three weeks to rest, and then you're going to turn them loose in a postseason format. And you honestly don't think you're going to get the same teams at the top. So then you come at me with this. Okay, Josh, but even if that's true, even if we get the same result, well, hey, at least that puts more teams in contention at the end of the year, and it makes more games meaningful. No, it doesn't. What makes more games meaningful is to cease this foolishness of pretending that the entire sport of college football should revolve around the playoff. Because you see, it used to be, when you got to the latter portion of the season, if you were headed for 8-4, and four, and I was headed for 6-6, six and six, but you and I were rivals... Well, then all of a sudden, it didn't really matter what bowl game we were going to. It didn't matter what playoff contention we weren't or weren't in. All that mattered was that Saturday because the regular season is what is supposed to be the pinnacle and the very crux with which college football balances itself on. But then all of a sudden, when the same entity that controls the college football narrative all of a sudden bought that college football playoff contract, that marketing machine got put behind telling you that the sport revolves around the playoff. And so then all of a sudden, once you were no longer in playoff contention, somewhere somewhere along the line, someone got it in your head that, well, that means your season's irrelevant. That means your games don't matter anymore. It's never been the case. Never should be the case. Never should be the case moving forward. And so your answer is, 
well, let's just have more teams in the playoff. Therefore, there are more consequential games down the stretch. Therefore, they mean something. Therefore, we get more meaningful football. The games mean something as long as you have the proper definition of what meaning is. When you expand the playoff, what you do is you take away the real most precious commodities. The most precious commodity in college football is not a game between a two-loss team and a three-loss team at the end of the year that could see one of them, if they win it, backdoor their way into an eight seed. That's not meaningful. And that's not the most precious commodity that this sport has. The most precious commodity is when you turn on one of those games, when it's, let's say, 326 on the East Coast on a given Saturday and the SEC game of the week or the ABC game of the week is about to come on, and you know you got some big-time powerhouse contending teams playing each other, there's no safety net under the game right now. Therefore, there is an unmistakable and, in the pro sports model, induplicable sense of urgency with every play. It's why college football is appointment must-see TV, because you know you don't have a safety net. You cannot keep that factor, which is unique to college football, which gives college football the flavor and the environment that no other American sport has, You can't keep all that when you expand a playoff. You just can't. But here's what sucks for people like me. I know all that, and I know you will end up finding this out. You'll go on this quest into your expanded playoff, and then you'll find out it's giving you the same result and the same teams that would have always dominated are dominating. Yeah, you get a few teams that get a taste of it and get their brains beat in that otherwise wouldn't have been in the playoff, and then you'll realize, wow. So it turns out expanding the playoff hasn't really changed anything And now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if I go to Home Depot and miss that game in week three because I know there's a big safety net built under that team and they can afford to lose. And then you get later in the year and some of the rivalry games, even some of the conference championship games, instead of playing for access to the playoff, you're playing for seeding. You think you can have that and you can keep what's great about college football. You're kidding yourself. Now, I will grant you this. If you have your 18 playoff, in and of itself, it'll be great to watch. It'll be must-see. What will it have come at the expense of? What it will come at the expense of is really invalidating a lot of what has made regular seasons in college football great. But what sucks is it'll be too late once everyone else realizes that. See, I I know that. Some of us know that. A lot of us know that. A lot more of you are going to know it. The problem is by the time you realize it, it'll be too late. These things don't go in reverse. Playoffs don't contract. They only expand. It's like government. It only gets bigger. never contracts. No one ever says, let's do away with this in that department. And so I'm going to have to sit there and I'm going to have to say, I told you so, but it won't feel good because we're not going back. So it's not really going to matter. It won't bring me any sense of uh, moral superiority. I can promise you that. Hashtag four and no more for what it's worth. Let's talk about uh, quarterback battles around the country right now. we got a lot of them. And uh, these are big programs, too. The Texas quarterback situation is really interesting because that's where a new staff is. you got Steve Sarkeesian, you got his staff coming in there, and so you watched Casey Thompson in the bowl game, and this is well-documented by this point. We don't need to go in reverse, but you watched him, and you said, okay, that's definitely the guy. But then the new staff comes in, and you have to wonder, well, are they going to see what I saw? Well, then we go into the spring game and the entirety of spring, and you see Hudson Card, and you see Casey Thompson, and you wonder, are we going to exit spring with the same pecking order? And I think we did, but I don't know that watching the spring game alone really proved any of that to anyone, which is probably a good thing for Sarkeesian. So he can keep his quarterback dynamic and he can keep whatever he wants. But barring injury, like right now, I'd be willing to bet 
pretty sizable amounts of money, if you force me to, that Casey Thompson is going to be the starting quarterback there. But we have enough of a valid quarterback competition that it certainly bears watching. And then you also wonder this. We don't really have a great way to know whether Hudson Card's a guy in the perfect system at the perfect time that may have some quantum leap over summer workouts and going into fall. Who knows what happens? Those quarterbacks, man, when they get in the summer, some of them go to their own private coaches, their own private psychiatrist, that happens a lot. Not just sports psychiatrist either. And so that stuff happens a lot. You never know. When a guy's 38 years old and you say goodbye to him in April and you see him again in August, he's still the same guy. But when a guy's 17 or 18 or 19 years old, they could be totally different people by the time you see him again in August. So let's just, that one bears watching, the Texas quarterback situation. I like Casey Thompson right now. Don't think Hudson Card's out of that thing. At Ohio State, This is, if not for Oklahoma, the best quarterback situation in America right now. C.J. Stroud is the favorite to win that job. I think most people close to the program believe that. But here's what else they believe that maybe you do or don't know. They've got two other guys that if C.J. Stroud were to just say, you know what, I don't like football anymore, deuces, they would be totally fine with Jack Miller. They would be totally fine with Kyle McCord. That is what you call depth at the quarterback situation. It's not guys they feel comfortable about two years down the road. It's guys they feel like they could win with this year. I don't know if all of them are going to be on campus this fall, but what I'm saying is C.J. Stroud is a guy that I think doesn't have that job locked down. I think he's got the inside track on that job. To me, the subplot here is, are all those guys staying on campus? I know that gets old, and we don't even like talking about it a lot on the show here, but as I said about Ohio State, normally it's just who's going to start. But with them, there are two intriguing parts. One is who's going to start. I think it'll be C.J. Stroud. But then the second part is, as I told you before, I think someone else, some other program out there's best shot at winning a title down the road could be on Ohio State's roster, just like Joe Burrow. Once upon a time was a Buckeye, went to LSU. The rest is history. Who knows where Jack Miller, for example, could end up. Texas A&M, Haynes King, Zach Calzada, if you watched the A&M spring game, it was probably eye-opening in that it didn't look like the gap was nearly as big to maybe the naked eye as we had been led to believe through practice reports and through whispers and intel between King and Calzada. Now, I still think that there is a gap. I don't know how large the gap is, but I still think there's a gap. I still think Haynes King is the guy with, if you want to call it the inside track, probably the guy with the inside track here. But here's what I wonder. Kind of the same deal. It's like you you would think if a guy has a sizable lead, when he's put in a competitive environment, it would show. And I don't know if it totally showed in the spring game. And I, it's hard to get that pick six down in the red zone out of your mind. I know it's one play. I know, for instance, Zach Calzada may have done that five times, for all I know, in the practice leading up to the scrimmage. That's not reality. I'm just saying for argument's sake, he could have. This is a good, healthy quarterback competition, too. Jimbo, when he's coming out of spring ball, some people thought this was window dressing, but I thought it was valid. When he said, I'm not worried about quarterback. Everyone kept asking him about quarterback. He said, I'm not worried about quarterback. Y'all want to talk about that? I'm fine with quarterback. I feel good about where we are right there. Translation, I think he believes he can win with either one of them. If, and then he continued, we get offensive line figured out. Offensive tackle, more specifically. And there's some concern around there that even... Even as much as they could do in the offseason in terms of progressing and developing and whatnot, gelling, coalescing, they got a lot to replace, so it's to be expected. It's shaky in the spring. Some of the concern around there is the ceiling at offensive tackle 
is maybe a little bit lower than they want it to be because they don't think they're quite athletic enough at tackle, which is a problem when you face the kind of edge rushers that you're going to face in the SEC and beyond if you want to make a run in the playoff. So that doesn't, I don't know, maybe it does tie into the quarterback battle, but quarterback and wide receiver, offensive tackle, those are things where there is a thin line that could separate A&M from being 9-3 and three versus being a playoff contender, and that's maybe even if they lose to Bama. That's a team that could be good enough to where they could lose a competitive game to Alabama. If they lose a game 34-27 to Alabama, A&M's right there in the playoff conversation the rest of the year. How about Florida State? I don't know about playoff this year for Florida State, but I do know this is one. They wrapped up their spring a couple of weeks ago, so we haven't really spoken about them a lot since then. But when Mackenzie Milton came in there to refresh everyone's memory, looked at that situation, we had no clue. And maybe to some degree we still don't. We got a lot better idea, but we didn't have any clue what his knee was going to look like. Had surgery complications. It was already a terrible injury. Had surgery complications. Had to get other surgeries. So all I asked for was, can we just see him run? So he ran in the spring game. Looked good. A lot better than I thought he'd look, to be honest with you. Had that Steve Austin knee brace on, but he looked okay. If that's the case, I said before the spring game, if that's the case, I think he's going to win the job. Because what I'm thinking is, if he's already at that point in the spring game, then we've got the rest of April, May, June, July, and then we open camp in August. I mean, that's, what, three or four months down the road that you get to further rehabilitate the knee structurally. You get to mentally rehabilitate yourself to where you're where you need to be between the years. And he, he hasn't lost arm talent. He hasn't lost the acumen. None of that's been lost. And I think Travis Hunter's job there, his role, if you've got him penciled into that starting role, I think it's very vulnerable. I think Mackenzie Milton's going to be their starting quarterback. Um, there's still some split opinion down there, but I think Mackenzie Milton's ultimately going to be the guy. And listen, if he's not, then that means Hunter beat him out, which in and of itself is a good sign for Florida State. LSU is where the most intriguing quarterback room is to me, because I'm not quite sure what to make of it. I think they got one of the best quarterback rooms in the country, but that doesn't mean that there is one elite candidate in there. It could be that there's two. It could be that there's none. Right now, I think this thing's open. I believe that coaching staff went into spring, Ed Orgeron namely, went into spring and thought Miles Brennan will take control of this job. And I don't think he did. And I don't think it's Miles Brennan's fault. I just think Max Johnson's that much of a gamer. Max Johnson is one of those guys, if you didn't already know it before watching him play Florida, you certainly knew it afterwards. He's one of those guys that does not just blow you away with his measurables or blow you away with all of his physical traits. I'm not saying he's poor in any of those areas. I'm also not telling you he's going to test off the charts in any of those areas. But what I think he's got is that intangible stuff. If you were to try and define quarterback moxie, let's say, never been crazy about the word, but quarterback moxie, if you define that, if you quantified it, he'd have it. And I'm not saying Brennan doesn't. I'm saying Max Johnson does. I know it. And so that's kind of like trying to nail the old jello to the wall to try and beat him out. So Miles Brennan's putting forth a really good effort down there. I just think it's hard to pull Max Johnson off the field. And it makes it really tough in a good way. It makes it really tough on that coaching staff because eventually what's going to happen is they're going to get in fall camp and they're going to get down to two weeks to go into Louisiana. And even if they're not going to announce it publicly, they're going to have to make some decisions on who's going to start at quarterback because they start with... Well, I got Texas's schedule in my mind for LSU. So LSU, I don't have their schedule in my mind off the top of my head. I think I got the uh, helmet grid schedule here. But whoever they play, yeah, I got way too many windows open, Colin. What a shame. So whoever they play, 
they got to make a decision to me, uh, eventually. And what I think right now is in the mind of a lot of those. Co- That's right. They go to UCLA. Yeah. So they got to make a trip way out west. Thank you, Director Emeritus Collin. Um, they got to decide who's going to start there. And it may be, may, may, maybe it'll be one of those situations where they go into the season and they say, we're going to play both of them. But even then, one of them is going to start. Like one of them is going to take the field first. When they get to that conversation, whenever it is, it's going to be probably assumed by some people on that staff in June, July, opening camp in August. They're just going to think to themselves, maybe, oh, eventually it'll be miles. But that, that moment never comes. That click moment, that moment of clarity never comes. And that's a tough decision to make. And you got a new offensive staff down there. you got a head coach trying to overturn things. That'll be interesting to watch. All right, that's the quarterback battle update. We'll certainly be talking about that a lot more over the summer. Um, it's a good thing, though, because, you know, we didn't even bring up we didn't even bring up Clemson, but it's not because they are untested at quarterbacks. It's just because they don't have a, a competition there, per se. It's DJ's job. At Alabama, Bryce Young, new quarterback, new starter. It's just his job. So there's a lot of overturn. There's a lot of quarterback churn at some major programs. So if you guys are out there and you're looking for parity, Maybe that is one of the keys to finding it. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Speaking of parity, there's a precious lack of it in the Big Ten right now. It's Ohio State's yard every single year. Uh, Some of you in and around Columbus, Ohio love it. The rest of you don't like it so much up there. I was doing the Late Kick Extra podcast the other day. And that is a pure mailbag that we do on Tuesday and Thursday. You submit the questions. I answer them rapid-fire style. It's, it's one of our very favorite products that we put out on a weekly basis. And Chris asked me a question that I answered Tuesday, but I kind of wanted to revisit it here. He said, do you think the Big Ten is going to go the way of the ACC in terms of one team just dominating and completely choking off the lifeblood of every other program? And I think right now the answer is, yeah, that seems to be the way it's trending. But see, I'm not one to believe that it's Ohio State's fault that everyone else has fallen by the wayside. I think a lot of those programs are complicit, along with Ohio State taking care of their business. Because what is Ohio State really doing? Well, they're taking football as seriously as you can possibly take it. Everyone's invested. Everyone's all in. It is the proverbial freight train, 47 cars on the track. They're all going the same direction at the same speed. There's no one who wants to go this way and someone else wants to go that way. And well, we want to divert some resources here. It's all about Ohio State football. They don't apologize for it, nor should they. But also, they are assassins on the recruiting trail. They don't care how much talent they have. It's never enough. They don't care how much they're beating you by. They want to beat you by more. They're playing to that standard. It operates the same way at Alabama. And so they're doing all that. 
What has Clemson done? Clemson has built themselves in a very unique way. They have a unique Clemson culture there. They've gotten recruiting right. They've got the right head coach. Like They've got the staff in place that they want. They hardly ever have to replace any staff members. So that's what those programs are guilty of. And some of the haters out there would suggest to you, uh, well, the sport's just built to benefit them. False. The sport is built to benefit them, not them alone. Any system that is built to benefit Clemson is also built to benefit Florida State and Miami. Any system that's built to benefit Ohio State is also built to benefit Penn State and Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan. The difference is they do it the right way, whereas you guys haven't been able to keep up. Now, you can either be mad at them, mad at the system, or you can look in the mirror. I would suggest looking in the mirror because Ohio State's not slowing down. It's kind of like changing the playoff structure. It's not, Nothing happens to the big boys. You just further victimize yourself. So what you should do is what North Carolina's doing right now. North Carolina has never given a crap what Clemson's doing. The second Mac Brown walked in, he said, great, but we're going to do it the way we want to do it here. And eventually, watch and see what I tell you, we'll be able to compete with them. Well, what a shocker, two or three years down the road. We're going to talk about North Carolina in a second, so I don't want to get to that. But any system that is built to assist the big boys is also built to assist you if you have comparable resources to them, which you do at Michigan, which you do at Texas A&M, or which you do at Miami, Florida State. Man, and I could go on and on. There are no less than a dozen other programs. You think Tennessee and Texas have really been down because of the system? Really? Did the system not exist in 05 or 1998? Did the system not exist then? The system existed. You were just the beneficiary of it then, so you didn't want to open your mouth. Clemson, they care a lot. Ohio State, they care a lot. But you know what else they did? They also got hiring right, which a lot of you don't. You make poor hires, and then you compound that with worse hires to replace the poor hires, and then you get where bad hires get you, and then you look around and you say, oh, it's the complex's fault. It's the system's fault. It's not the system's fault. It's just that in Columbus, Ohio, when one of the best coaches in the history of the game, Urban Meyer, stepped down, which should crumble a program, by the way, they made the right replacement, Ryan Day. And not only is the program just as good, I think it's better in several areas now. At Clemson, they had Tommy Bowden. Tommy Bowden was doing some things there that hadn't been done in a while. And then it was time to replace him. And they looked internally. Another theme here, looking right inside your own four walls for the replacement. And they take a guy who's never been a head coach before, and his name's Dabo Swinney. And it didn't happen immediately there, but it turns out both programs made the right hires. That's the whole secret here, guys. The system is built to benefit a whole bunch of you. A whole bunch of you do have the resources. A whole bunch of you do have the facilities. And if you don't have them now, you got enough people with deep enough pockets to write a check to make it happen tomorrow. You got to make the right hires. You can't make the wrong hires, get the results that the wrong hires produce, and then look out the window and say, well, the problem's out there. The problem's in the mirror. The only difference in Ohio State and Clemson is they've made the right hiring decisions. At Alabama, they were bad for a long time. Then they made the right hiring decision. Now they've been really good for a long time. It was always Alabama. This stuff's not that hard to figure out. The ACC, unlike the Big Ten at the moment, has started to get itself off the mat, though. Led by North Carolina. I would argue Florida State's doing some good things. May take a couple more years to see it pay off. I think Miami's doing some good things. May take a year or two. Maybe this year, we'll see, to see it pay off. North Carolina's ready to go now, though. And so they have started to respond. 
It's kind of like if you've ever watched a forest fire come through. Everything's burned. Everything's charred. But then if you come back to that same spot a few years later, there's some vegetation growing. Well, in a lot the same way, Clemson has totally torched the ACC. But there's some things now starting to grow as a result of that. Not only that, don't think for a second the ACC hasn't been looking around and seeing Clemson most recently in the semifinal get knocked around a little bit and saying, oh my, so they are human after all. I like that there are powerhouse programs. I don't like that some of you look at the powerhouse programs and think, oh, they're the problem with college football. I strongly dislike that too many of you aren't willing to look your own administration in the eye and say, why aren't we just like them? And then call BS when those people give you the runaround and say, oh, we we don't have this that they have. We don't have that that they have. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Lastly, I wanted to circle right back here to something we were just talking about. North Carolina's coming. I don't know how to put it any more plainly than that. I feel great about the future of North Carolina football. Some of you have noticed that I've been a little more animated, a little more bullish when I'm talking about North Carolina. And I had like five or six of you ask me about it in my uh, Instagram uh, DMs earlier this week, at Late Kick Josh, by the way. And so I wanted to address this tonight because I love what they're doing. And I think North Carolina is going to be a contender in the ACC. Let me be very specific here. I think North Carolina football, in very short order, is going to be an ACC championship contender, even with Clemson in the house. And I think they're going to be a national championship contender. I think they're going to be in the playoff conversation. And here's the reason or reasons I say that. Unlike everyone else in the ACC for a long time, this squad here and this staff especially has never operated in Clemson's shadow. Even though they're not the equal of Clemson at the moment, haven't been, they have never operated in their shadow. Need I remind you, I remember being in the Auburn press box watching them play Clemson year one under Mac Brown. I don't know how many touchdowns they were an underdog by, but there they are down inside the red zone, going for a two-point conversion to upset mighty Clemson. They missed it that day. But when they walked off the field, did you notice? When they carried themselves afterwards, did you notice? In fact, the way they carried themselves the day they walked in that building, did you notice? They never really flinched. When you mentioned Clemson, when they had to play Clemson, they never flinched. They never have. They're not as good as them yet, nor nor should they be. But they're building in the right direction. But they, unlike the rest of this conference, scared of its own shadow for an extended period of time, North Carolina's never flinched when you mention the Clemson Tigers, and that's a good thing because that mental side of it's over half the battle when it comes to eventually being able to dethrone the top dog, or tiger in this case, in your conference. They've made excellent hires. It starts with head coach. Some people question Mac Brown. Who cares? Because a lot of what you guys call the Grand Slam hires flame out entirely. So I don't really care what people think the day of the press conference. I want to see subsequently what guys are doing. Well, all Mac Brown's done is he got guys like Jay Bateman as his DC. He got guys like Phil Longo as his offensive coordinator. He put together a dynamite staff of recruiters. And when I say recruiters, I mean in all caps, they take it very seriously there. They just virtually locked down one of the most talent-rich states in the Southeast in North Carolina. They kept a lot of their in-state talent home. Evidence is that you look at them now, you look at guys like Javari Ritzy, just to pick a name out of a hat. That guy looks like an SEC defensive lineman. He's in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and it wasn't for a lack of options either, by the way. They're beating some of the big boys for this talent. And you look at him, and all of a sudden, oh, I knew they could play offense. Oh, I knew they had wide receivers out the wazoo. Look at these defensive linemen. My goodness. This team could almost pass for, I don't know, a contender. Yeah, they sure could. And not only do they have front liners, they got some depth there now. 
Defense should make a quantum leap at North Carolina this fall. But the most important part of this whole recruiting puzzle is very early on, they got quarterback figured out now and in the future. Sam Howell, once upon a time, committed to Florida State. Well, he is their starting quarterback now. He's going to be a Heisman Trophy contender this year. But they also got it figured out in the future. Drake May, one-time Alabama commit. Maybe you've heard of him. Well, he's now committed and signed and on campus with North Carolina. And so now when you get those quarterback dominoes figured out, you remember another program that did that once upon a time? They were good, and then they were pretty good. And then they got a guy named Deshaun Watson who came after Taj Boyd. They got him on campus, and they won a national championship, played for two of them. And then a kid named Trevor Lawrence saw that happen, and he committed. He won himself a national championship. And then a kid named DJ Uyangalale was watching, and he committed. The way that modern-day recruiting works is you get the first quarterback, and then it starts the domino effect. And it's already begun at North Carolina. little bold prediction here. You're not going to watch North Carolina over the next decade to where they don't have a plus to elite caliber quarterback which means the wide receiver talent will take care of itself because they want to play with the good quarterbacks, which means the running backs and the offensive linemen, ditto. They all fit the same description. And then they get defense figured out to the degree that you need to get it figured out. They are headed very quickly in the right direction. But here's the secret at North Carolina that not a lot of people are talking about right now. It's a destination that people always wanted to become a destination, A lot of people have wanted a reason to go play at North Carolina. They didn't have it for a long time. They have it now. And it's not just a destination for recruits, as you just saw in this last signing class, and you will continue to see. It's a destination for coaches. North Carolina is a great place to coach. When you can go there and you have the prospect of winning and you can have the right profile and you can make the right money, it's a wonderful place to live. A lot of coaches have looked for decades for any excuse to go to North Carolina. It's just for a long time the job didn't give them an excuse to go there. So they had to go somewhere else where they could fill all their needs. You can fill all your needs, whether you're a player or you're a coach. You can fill every single one of them. You can check all those boxes at North Carolina right now. North Carolina football is coming. They are going to be a contender. You guys may think it's going to take some getting used to, and it will. But that's the team. You want to see why all this system is built against us stuff is BS? It's because North Carolina doesn't care. When's the last time you heard these people say, oh, we can't compete against Clemson. Oh, we could never be what they... They just wad it up. They throw it in the garbage and they say, yeah, we can. If we make the right hires just like they did and we recruit like they do and we develop and we care and we're as passionate as they are, we're going to get the same results and we trust it. It's a process. That old boring word, process. Well, they bought into it at Clemson and uh, they bought into it at North Carolina too. And that's why I'm buying the future of Tar Heel football. So give me all that stock. Thank you so much for watching. If you are watching, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, please uh, share it everywhere. But more specifically, the five-star reviews are appreciated there. Enjoy the draft tonight. For Director Emeritus Colin, for Jesse and our entire crew in Connecticut, I'm Josh Bate. Have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 